Hey, why don't we stand up and let's pray this prayer. I'm sorry I haven't got the words for you, um, but we'll pray it anyway, and most of us know most of it. Uh, it'd be great to learn it. Um, you know, Goldie was talking this morning about uh, memorizing Scripture, and then once you've got it memorized, you can, you can sort of ruminate on it. You can, you can talk it through. You can meditate on it. Uh, the Bible says when you do that, meditate. It's like a cow eating grass, and it's got four stomachs, and it chews on it, and then it goes into another stomach and comes up again, gross, eh? And, uh, and it's, it's continually getting more and more nutrient out of the same bit of grass. Um, so, you know, we can do that. And if we memorize this, uh, this passage here, wouldn't it be cool, you know, that you just kind of speak it out during the day, and you continue to get deeper and deeper meaning out of it? Uh, it's, been, it's been a great series so far. Who's been enjoying it? Awesome. Okay, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. You can grab a seat. Thank you. Um, it got me thinking. Now we've been talking about, um, you know, we've been talking about uh, this prayer, uh, we've been uh, hearing some great messages on it. Um, you know, at the beginning, Monica talked about the fact that uh, we can call this the creator, the creator of the universe, um, you know, unapproachable, just uh, magnificent, beyond the universe. He can hold the universe just in, you know, in one, on one little finger, um, you know, like a little contact lens. Uh, and yet we can call this creator Father. Uh, and, and it's our Father, so we're not alone. You know, we're, we're together. And, and really loved Colin's message last week where he talked about, um, you know, hallowed be your name that we want. Uh, you know, and I love it because it's kind of like our youth ministry. We want to make the name of Jesus famous. We want to we wanna glorify the name of God. We want to lift it up. Uh, hallowed be your name. But he had that beautiful picture that, um, you know, uh, that we want the name to be holy. But, and, and when we think of holy, it's this pure other thing. And and often it makes people run away from God because he's too holy and, you know, we're not good enough. But he, he uh, I just love that message where, um, you know, when we say, hallowed be your name, the way God made his name holy was he came right in and he had a clean canvas over here. If you were here, you remember it. And then he had the cross over here and God came into this messy, dirty earth and he participated. He got messy and he died and he bled. Uh, and that was his holiness in action. So when we say, Hallowed be your name. And when we participate in that, uh, then, then we're giving ourselves into the world the way Jesus did. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and so um, we'll carry on. And so uh, tonight we're talking about um, uh, the portion. Well, I'll get to it in a minute. Uh, but it made me think about this. Begs the front. Now, who has ever heard, put your hand up, if you've heard this terminology before. Begs the front. And not everybody. I, I, I was afraid of this, but begs the front. Maybe it's a Makatu thing. Um, so I'm, I'm LB, if, in, in case you're a visitor, I'm LB. I'm the youth pastor here, but I live in Makatu, um, which is phenomenal. I'm sorry you guys don't. Um, and, uh, and in my house, we grew up with this begs the front. So anytime we jumped into the car, um, I had four children. Um, yeah, uh, they're all, yeah, they're all around the world these days. Uh, but when we jumped in the car to go to the beach, it's begs the front. And the first person that said, begs the front, they got to sit in the front. 
Don't you guys do that? A shotgun, yeah, shotgun, right? And, and, and I, I've got to apologize. I actually looked this up on, um, on Google, and, um, but thanks for that. It is shotgunning the front, and I don't know if it's bags the front, like B-A-G. Is it, is, should it be bags? All right, yeah, but I'm Canadian, and I'm from Muckatoo, so you just got to forgive me, all right? So it's bags the front, because that's what I always thought it was. I never looked it up on Google. I just did it. And so it's bags the front. And, it's, and then we also begs the shower. You know, you come home in the winter after a surf, and you just begs the shower. And the guy that says it first, and here's the deal. If you break the begs rule, like the family falls apart. Like that is the rule that the whole family hangs together on. And the marriage, the, major, the marriage only survives on the begs rule. And if you break the begs rule, it's as good as a divorce, right? Um, and so when you get up in the morning, begs, you make the coffee. Uh, actually, you can't beg somebody else. That's another rule. You can't beg someone else to do something. Uh, so usually it's rock, scissors, paper. If you break the rock, scissors, paper rule, the marriage is over pretty much. So these, these are really important things. Um, so what do you begs? How does your life work? Uh, what, you know, what has worked in your family? What is your experience with shotgunning? So just turn to someone that you don't know and tell your story about begging and shotgunning. Go, you got one minute. What's your story? All right, anybody? Is it just me? It, it sounded very quiet, eh? Uh, it's like you guys are too spiritual uh, or too mature to do this. Uh, you know, I'm afraid that maybe in your life, in your family, it's like you have the front beer or you can have the biggest piece of cake. I mean... You know, with my family, man, like blood is spilt over the biggest piece of cake. Um, and it leads us into this verse. So hopefully this is going to make a little bit of sense. But it leads into um, this passage that I'm covering tonight, which is um, uh, Matthew 6.10. And it's the next part of the, of the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And later, we're going to spend a little bit of time and just uh, take it apart. Um, uh, I had some fun with it over the last couple of weeks, and, and I, you know, I tried to look it up in the Greek. I, I took, um, I've, you know, I, back in Canada when I first became a Christian, I did a four-year Bachelor of Theology. Um, I did the four years in three and a quarter years because I decided that once I got to Greek uh, that I couldn't handle it. So I still have to finish my Greek um, but whenever I, you know, I look into the word, I always, you know, I know how to kind of use the Greek lexicons and stuff, and it's always amazing, eh? and you can learn some stuff. And so we're going to have a look at this later. The order of the words in, in Greek in the, in the New Testament, which was written in Koine Greek, uh, was let come the kingdom of you, let be done the will of you, as in heaven, so also upon the earth. And hopefully that's going to make a bit more sense as we go. Um, so we've got this culture, um, you know, well, you know, I know a lot of us, and especially with young people, this shotgun culture where, you know, we try to get in first, and we want the biggest piece, uh, and we, you know, and we, and we want the seat that we want. Um, now, remember the context here of this prayer is the followers of Jesus, and remember they were young guys, like, like they might have been from 14 to 22, um, they weren't the old guys that, that you see in the photos with the beards and the bald heads, you know, who would listen to those guys? And, uh, and, um, uh, but they were probably young guys. And, and, um, and, and this was a fresh thought that I had over uh, these last couple of weeks as I've been looking into this passage. And I love that 
that you could know a passage for years and years and years, and then when you start spending some time with it and ask God to show you things, he can show an old dog new tricks. And, I, and I've often just taken it for granted that when the, when, the, when the disciples said at the beginning of this passage, the beginning of the story that leads into Jesus uh, teaching this prayer, they said, teach us to pray. And I've always just taken it for granted that they were asking for valid reasons, for holy reasons, that they wanted to be like their master, um, that they wanted to learn how to pray so they could get closer to God. But, but as I've been thinking about it, I, I, I've wondered about that. Um, I don't really know. But I do know human nature, and I do know young people. And I just wonder whether you know, when they ask that, you know, they've been walking with Jesus for at least a few months, half a year, maybe a year by this time, depending on which version of the story we're, we're listening to. So they've been with Jesus for a while. They've seen him pray. They've seen him cast out demons. They see his fame. They see crowds following him. And I've just wondered whether when they say, hey, teach us to pray, I just wonder whether there's a little bit of human motivation in there where, boy, if I could pray like he prays, I'd have crowds following me, I could cast out demons, I could be famous. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there because, because when Jesus teaches them how to pray, he seems to directly aim it at the shotgun culture, at the begs the front culture. At the heart of this prayer is a prayer for the heart. Now, you, you know intuitively that when Jesus taught them how to pray, and in fact, um, he, the, he prefaced this teaching with saying, you know, when you pray, don't do it in a showy way. Don't do it to gain attention. So he's aiming at the shotgun culture. And then he says, you know, don't, don't think that God's going to hear you because of your many words. So surely, surely when Jesus teaches us to say these words, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That he's not really teaching them just to say the words. He's not just teaching his disciples just to repeat what he says, to, like a parrot. I grew up in a, in a church culture um, in Canada for 20 years. Uh, we went to a Catholic church. Uh, and this isn't to diss all Catholic churches, but... You know, the one that I was involved in and the culture that we had in our family as Catholics was we would just repeat, re repeat these prayers out of fear. Uh, so when I was a little kid, I did my first confession, like uh, eight or nine years old. I went to my first communion, and, uh, and, and we were just taught to repeat these prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit. You know, you could just rip, you know, even though it was like 50 years ago, I can just rip these prayers off. And we just said them by rote, and then you'd go to confession, and, and you'd make up sins, because you wouldn't want to tell the priest the real sin, right? You'd go, uh, yeah, I spit on the concrete today. You know, I didn't want him to know the real stuff. And, uh, and then he'd send you away. You have to say five Hail Marys and, and four Our Fathers. So we were just saying the words. But surely Jesus isn't concerned about us just knowing the words and saying just words. He must be wanting us. He, want, he, he must be getting at us. He must be wanting to teach us something about our hearts and about the attitude of our hearts. The heart of the prayer is a prayer for the heart. And at the, at the base of this prayer, as we're going to see in the next few minutes, is Jesus is instructing and teaching and and challenging and, and dropping ideas, as he always does, into the heart of his followers. Um, and, and the basic idea in this prayer 
as we go through it, is, is, is an idea sort of like this, to break my heart, the ancient prayer, break my heart for what breaks yours. So God is not so concerned about our words, though he is concerned about our words. But Jesus is concerned about the heart of his followers. And the culture that we live in, as we've already started talking about, is this I love myself culture. It's human nature. And um, I, I read a sociology study somewhere in the past where, uh, you, know, you know, they talk about whether the, the selfishness of human beings and, and the centrality of our own lives, whether that's a, an evolved thing or, um, you know, is it, is it nature or nurture? And they talk about a little baby being born in this study. And right from the get-go, that little baby is the center of its universe, his or her universe. And the parents kind of look down and Google eye, and they go, oh, look at you, you're so, so beautiful. You know, and, and the kid knows, that, that child knows that, that he or she is the center of the universe. And, and, and for those first two or three years, we parade the child around, and we show the child off, and everyone goos and gauze. And you begin setting up this deal where, where where we know that we're at the center of our lives. Now, we inherit that from Adam anyway. We, we inherit selfishness, and we inherit a love for ourselves. And then society grows that. Parenting can grow that. And, and as we grow up, we've got this problem in our hearts where, in our hearts, I don't know about you, but I know this definitely is my life, uh, that, that we're at the center of our day, and our, we're on center stage of our lives, and, and, and the story of the universe is the story of our lives, and it's difficult. It's difficult for us in our human condition to see life through the eyes of somebody else. That would be empathy. That would be love. But too often we see every situation, we see every conflict, we see our lives through our eyes. And I believe that this prayer, this prayer, Jesus is attacking the very deadly center of our human condition. John 5.42 says, not having the love of God in their hearts. And this, uh, in John, it, it's talking about, uh, this is the, the epicenter of the problem of human beings. And in this prayer, when Jesus challenges us and teaches us to pray from the heart, from the heart, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. There's an, there's an unspoken truth in there that it's your kingdom come, not mine. Because there's two kingdoms. And there's a kingdom of light, there's a kingdom of darkness, but in our own hearts, because we're human beings, because we've been conditioned and because we've inherited from, from our ancestors this selfishness, there's two kingdoms at war in us. And when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, after the, the first couple of lines where we're putting our attention on the Father, then we come to this line, your kingdom come. And, and again, it, the attention is to the Father, but it's beginning to attack that thing in you and I that wants to build our own kingdom. It's like the Italian guy. And he's, um, he was in the supermarket and he bought these two big watermelons. You know, and, uh, and a woman comes up to him, and he's holding these two watermelons. Uh, and she goes, um, excuse me, could you tell me the time? I, I haven't got my watch. And the Italian guy, you know, he's got the watermelons, and he says, could you hold the Disa, please? And he hands out the one watermelon to the woman. 
And, uh, and, 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 he, and then he says, and could you hold the Disa, please? And he hands out the other watermelon. Now she's holding the two watermelons. And he says, I don't know. <laughs> and the point is, the point is that he couldn't hold the two things because he's Italian. He had to use his hands. Yeah, did you get that? Uh, hey. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But he couldn't do the two things at once. And in the same way, we can't hold the two kingdoms. We can't hold the two kingdoms. Jesus says that you can't serve two masters. You either serve one and despise the other, or you despise the one and you serve the other. And so when Jesus says, your kingdom come, it's not just words, and it's not just praying for the kingdom, but it's actually praying against your heart, the inclination of your heart. It's your kingdom. The emphasis is on your kingdom. And I want to talk about the, the kingdom culture. And, and you know, we... We've got, these two, we've got these two kingdoms that are at war in us. We've got these two kingdoms that are at war in the world. And, uh, uh, and I want us to think about what these two kingdoms could look like. And, and, uh, and we know this. And as you read the scriptures, you, you see what the kingdom of Jesus, um, you know, what, what he was trying to build. And you could see the values and the principles of the kingdom. We'll talk a little bit about that word kingdom in a minute. But um, it, it, the kingdom had values, and it had principles, and it had rules of operation, and it had expectations. And, and there's a culture of the kingdom uh, where you have respect, where you have harmony between others. Jesus was always trying to put fires out between his followers, trying to get them to respect each other and to work in harmony, uh, to consider each other, to be humble and to serve. And, um, you know, uh, I've got, you know, I just want to go back to the story of Manu. Um, as, a, as, a, um, as an illustration of the way these two kingdoms play out. Now, how many of you have heard of Manu, those of you that stalked me on Facebook, which is like nobody? And, uh, and uh, months ago, we uh, rescued this magpie uh, and, and became part of our family, Manu. And we just love this bird, very, very interesting, beautiful bird, and just brought so much joy to our life. And I'll just play this little clip if it plays. I think you should let your birdie go. You're being a bit of a meanie. Poor little birdie. Do you want me to save you, money? Hey? I know, he's being horribly annoying. <laughs> he's so annoying. Now, who, was, who got a little bit nervous when they saw a panda attacking the magpie? Did anyone get a little bit nervous there? Because when I first saw that, uh, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, oh you know, we, we got to save the magpie. But it was a beautiful thing. And on the day that we, uh, that we filmed uh, Panda, our new little Bijan something, poodle, um, I thought I'd, I would never own a poodle, but, but I own a poodle. And, uh, and this magpie, uh, on the day that we filmed that, I remember I was, I was on my way to work, and I was just I was go going into the truck. And, and they were playing in the garden. And it was absolutely wonderful. They would jump up on the bed together. And this, this poodle would be munching away at the magpie. And the magpie would fly around and peck at the poodle. And it was just beautiful. And I remember I had this inspiration. I said, you know what? This is kind of the way. It's either me or God or maybe the pizza I ate the night before, whatever. And I was going, you know, it's like this is the way the world should be. 
And, you know, and I thought, then I went to the Garden of Eden, and of course, you know, there was no meat was eaten, and, and humans and animals and, uh, lived in harmony. And then the next thought that came in was, just how terrible. Oh, no, and, and then the next thought was, you know, it was so beautiful to see this dog and this bird playing together. And then I thought of families, and, and this is the way families should be. That, you know, you should wake up in the morning and the children will be playing quietly down in the lounge and they'll be sharing their toys. And then my daughter would say, can I make you breakfast, Isaac? And Isaac would say, thank you, sister. And, and there should be peace and beauty and harmony. And, and, you know, it's never that perfect. But that's the way the world should be. And then the next thought I had was about some of our friends, um, you know, some of our neighbors. Uh, you know, in, that we've lived nearby for over 30 years out in Makati. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, you hear stories, and, you know, many times you can actually hear what's going on in the house. And I know most of us, many of us have experienced this, and there's just anger and, and violence and hatred and bullying. And that's where my mind went to, and, 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 uh, and I thought, you know, it's so beautiful to see these these animals playing together, and that's the way the human race should be, and that's the way the kingdom would want, it, would want us to live, this king, or this kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And then there's the reality of the other kingdom. There's the reality of the other kingdom. And, uh, and I went to work that day, um, and, you know, and I haven't got this all figured out. I've spoken about it at youth group, and I've spoken to some of you about it. But um, the, the bird went missing. Manu went missing. And after three months, people were praying for this bird. And, uh, and after three months, and, and we, people were having dreams about this bird, the bird came back. And we had the bird for three days. And, uh, and then this happened. We, we, uh, we had a friend come over and visited with a Rottweiler, and the Rottweiler killed Manu. And um, it, it is sad. <laughs> somebody laughing? <laughs> it's a sad story. Um, but to me, you know, as time went on and, you know, um, it made me think about those two kingdoms, that that is an illustration of one kind of kingdom. And that's the kingdom of man, and that's the kingdom that comes from selfishness. And then that other picture is a picture of how the world should be. You know, there's a kingdom culture apart from God, it's selfish, it's full of anger, and it's brutal. So when, when Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, he's asking us to give up the desires that we have for our kingdom. Give up your goals, set them aside. Give up your wishes. Give up your plans for your kingdom because it's one or the other. And right at the heart of this prayer, right at the beginning of this prayer, there's this radical Radical challenge, because remember, he doesn't want us to just say the words. Jesus is teaching us to bring the reality of those words into our hearts, where we could say, your kingdom, not mine. Secondly, secondly um, there's a, there's a, it's a kingdom of relationship. And, um, you know, Jesus goes on to say, it's your kingdom come, and I just... No, we'll let that go, but uh, um, there's, so many, um, there's so many different um, facets of the kingdom. So there's this, the kingdom of God's sovereignty, 
Um, God's, he's a sovereign king over the universe. There's the kingdom of Israel and God operating in Israel. There's, there's, um, there's the kingdom of Jesus um, through the church. As when Christians come together, there's, there's, a, there's a facet of the kingdom in that. And then there's the kingdom. Uh, when you make Christ the king of your heart, there's a kingdom that occurs in your heart. So many different sides to this kingdom. Uh, and that's, it's just an entire um, sermon on itself. I did a course in Bible college. We did a whole half a year just on the kingdom. It was amazing. So we're not going to do that tonight. Um, but part of the kingdom is this relationship. And, and Jesus goes on to say, uh, that, you know, your, your kingdom come. And then he says, your will be done. So the kingdom, the kingdom that he's talking about, once it's established in our hearts, is a kingdom of principles. It's a kingdom of values. It's a kingdom that can affect the air around you, it can affect your workplace. There's a spirit behind that kingdom. And once it takes hold of you, then we go out into the world and we begin to affect our schools and our workplaces and our families with the kingdom principles and values. But there's another side to this kingdom. And it's this, it comes in this phrase, the second phrase, your will be done. Now that's personal. We're no longer talking just about values and principles. We're talking about the will of God personally spoken to you and me. It's personal. There's a personal relationship. So it's not just that you and I live in this kingdom and that we're influenced by this beautiful kingdom, by, by, by these beautiful principles, by this beautiful, this, these beautiful values. And you and I are, are living in the kingdom. But now we are in a relationship with the king and we can understand and hear his voice and hear his personal will for you and I. So the will of, you know, we pray that the will will be accomplished across the kingdom. But then it brings it, it makes it personal that the king is speaking to you and I. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, your will be done. He's speaking as well about you getting involved in his personal will for you and for your world. It's a beautiful thing, and there's a story um, uh, before the Battle of Waterloo, the great uh, or the infamous emperor of France, Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, he was facing this greatest battle, the Battle of Waterloo, which would be the end of his empire. Uh, and it's a story that, that I, I heard years ago, and it just always chokes me up. Um, and the French guards were out protecting the French encampment, and it was nighttime, and it was pouring with rain. And in the day that if you were to guard, uh, if you were on guard duty and if you fell asleep, well, you would, you would lose, you know, that was capital punishment. Uh, you'd pay with your life. And there's a French guard, and he's out in the hay field, and he falls asleep. He lays down, and he falls asleep. And then he wakes up suddenly, pouring with rain, middle of the night, and he knows he's made a huge mistake. He knows he could pay with his life. And he's in the army of Napoleon, and, and he wakes up, and he, he goes back to his duty, but he sees the shadow of someone standing in his place. And he's thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to lose my life. I've blown it. They're going to report this back to the emperor, and this is it. I'm going to die. And he comes up to the man, and he's, he's going to beg uh, for forgiveness. And the man turns around, and it was Napoleon himself. And Napoleon said, that I will do the job for you, that I will be on guard for you, 
If you need your sleep, go to sleep, and I will stand guard. And it was personal. He had a personal relationship with the emperor, and the emperor forgave him. And it's a little bit like you and I. And there's a hint of this in this verse when Jesus said, your will be done, that we can have a personal relationship. And we're not just part of an empire or a kingdom. And finally, and this was um, part of the prayer that uh, the third part of this prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. And, and um, I don't know about you, but I find a, I have a real hard time getting my head around the concept of heaven. Anybody else like that? When we talk about heaven, I kind of glaze over, and I know there's many of you who've got a very clear picture of heaven, and, and I love to hear, uh, like in Easter journeys, I love to hear these clear depictions and visions of heaven and where we're going, but I struggle with that. So I've always struggled with this verse that the will of God, that, that, that the kingdom and that the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven because I have a hard time wrapping my head around what heaven is like. And I, I, I get fluffy pictures of bunnies and lambs and, and clouds and angels and harps. And I just can't imagine that in this world where I want the All Blacks to win another World Cup. So... And, 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 and I, I struggle with the two. And um, about five years ago, uh, we uh, had a really cool youth night down here. And this is when it became real for me. This is when it became real for me. Um, and, and we had a neat night, and a bunch of our leaders got together. And some of you might know Eric Geary, and he just had his first son. And he brought his son to youth group. Eric was one of our leaders. And we had about 10 of us. We got together in a circle. And we just, we'd had a great visiting speaker. And, and he really challenged us about making a difference in our society. And we, and we were just praying together you know, to pray for our young people. And, uh, and we were doing that. And, and, and as I got ready to pray, Eric's would have been about four months, three months old son was just down here. And I had my hand on, on his shoulder. And I started to pray. And then I just, I just felt God speak to me and say, what will Teronga be like in 16 years when this boy makes it to high, is in high school? And, and, uh, and I saw very clearly what Teronga could be like if the kingdom of God doesn't come. And then I had a clear picture, and it must have just been God just, just giving me a vision just instantaneously what, before I could even pray. And it was of what Teronga could be like if the church of Jesus would be what we were called to be. And if we would have the kingdom inside us. And if we would relinquish our wills for his will. And Jesus just gave me this beautiful picture. And it just filled me with inspiration. And, 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 and before I could even pray. And then it just it became part of my prayer. I said, you know. You know, Lord, we just pray. And, and I could see that, that there would be very few liquor outlets in Teronga. I saw it specifically, that, that there would be few policemen required in Teronga because there just, there just was less crime. That the emergency wards wouldn't be filled with broken people and, and, uh, and, and accidents caused by alcohol and violence. Abortion clinics would be pretty much you know, not in existence. And, and I just saw clearly that this was the kingdom of God. This was the potential for the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. Harmony and peace and love and oneness. 
and, and, and that, that potential is real. And, we, and I prayed, and, and uh, uh, you know, I saw it. I saw it for the first time. And, uh, and I had a vision, and a vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Um, and as it is in heaven, as you and I, as you and I allow these words to roll around our hearts and roll around our minds, and we begin to get a clear picture of what Tauranga could be like, of what our families could be like, what our schools could be like, what our workplaces could be like, if this prayer would become our prayer, and if this prayer would, would come from our hearts, if this prayer would come into our hearts, change our hearts, and flow out from us. And it filled me with passion because you, uh, that, that night, and, and it was like a step up for me in my Christian walk, although I've been walking with Christ for over 20 years, it was like it was like a new level where I knew it was possible. I knew it was possible. I, I could see it. Only 16 years. And um, since that day, I've just begun to see a few things going on in the youth ministries in this city, in the churches in this city, and my hope is rising. Amen? Amen? And we'll finish with this. And this was the coolest part. I can remember... Um, and we'll go back to the beginning with that, uh, you know, the way it's phrased in the Greek where it says, it says, let, let come the kingdom. And it's phrased in a backward way. And I can remember probably one of the first sermons I ever heard years ago in Canada. I was in this little church and a guy preached. Don't know who he was. I can't remember his name, but I can remember the sermon. And he preached on the Lord's Prayer. And, and, and he preached it like this. And, and I knew it as a Catholic. And I knew that we just go, you know, um, you know, thy kingdom come. And it's a future kind of a prayer. We, you know, we're, we're petitioning God. We're asking God to do something in the future. You know, thy kingdom come. Because it's not here now. So thy kingdom come. And I remember this guy preaching. And he says, the way it's phrased in the original, it's more of a declaration. It's more, it's, it's in the order where you say come and you say it. With authority, come kingdom. So this last two weeks, I've just been looking into that, and I've, I've explored it. And, and, and I've wondered whether I heard right, or I wondered if that was the case. And it absolutely is the case. And it's, it's, it's even more powerful than that. And it's such a beautiful thing that's kind of hidden in this prayer. And, uh, and I believe that, uh, yeah, I'll just share it. And I, and I hope that you can catch, I hope you can catch the impact and the power of it. The... Um, the grammar, the grammar in the Greek, now, this is over my head, and you'll probably understand it, but it's the aorist imperative active tense. And so when Jesus says, come kingdom, when he teaches us to pray, come kingdom, that word come is not looking ahead into the future. It's, it's, an, it's an imperative, which means that we actually, we don't ask, we more, it's a declaration. So when you pray this prayer, when you get to this part, it's declaring something. And, and, and here's the cool part. Because it's in the aorist tense, what that means is it's something that has happened once for all in the past. And we're not creating something. We're not asking God to do something. But as, as partners, you know, collaborating with God, we're declaring something to, be, to, to become real in the physical world because it's already real in the spiritual world. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? So, and, and, uh, and then that 
it wrapped it all together for me because Jesus says in Mark 11, he says, whenever you pray, if you believe that you have what you ask for, you will have it. If you believe that it's already yours, Mark 11, when you pray, if you believe that what you ask for is already yours, then it will become a reality in the physical world. And so that it's... um, And it goes back to faith, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the certainty of things not seen. So when you and I look out at Teranga, when we look at our schools and our family, we don't see the kingdom in its full form yet. But this verse, in the Greek, it's saying that it's a done deal. And the question is, when was it done? When was this kingdom established? Because we don't see it in the physical. But the Bible is saying here, Jesus is saying it in this prayer, that it's a done deal, that the kingdom is established, the kingdom has come. Jesus said when, when, the, when the Pharisees were attacking him, and, and he said that the, the, the kingdom is already here. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, and remember, Jesus is teaching his disciples, his followers, how to pray. And it's more than just words. And this is a real important part of it. That we are declaring, let come the kingdom, because the kingdom is already established. Jesus is already one, and the kingdom is there in the spirit. And as we declare it, we declare something that already is. It's a done deal. It's a fait accompli. And we, and we declare it. We speak it out. And we're saying, come kingdom. And God says that when we speak out the things that he has already done, they become a reality in the physical world. Amen? So cool. So cool. So just to finish, you know, the, the bags the front generation or the shotgun generation, um, you know, Jesus is speaking to us. He's speaking really simply and, com- and with complexity into our hearts. And, and, and as he teaches us to pray, he's teaching us to say no to the kingdom that we want to establish in our hearts. He's, he's teaching us to choose between the two kingdoms. And this me first, I love myself, begs the front generation. He's asking us to let that go and to join him, to ask for his will to be done, to ask for his kingdom to come. And because it's already been done, because the work has been done in the resurrection, when Jesus rose from the dead, The victory has already been won, and we get to be. We get to join with God. We get to join with Christ. We get to join with the church and declare it and believe it and leave our own agenda to fall on our knees in prayer, to say, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And as we throw ourselves into the world with that attitude, we will see the kingdom become a reality first in our hearts and then in our families and in our workplaces. And that's a promise. Father, we just thank you um, for the power of your word. And we thank you, Father, that you came into this world. Father, you came into a tiny corner of this world through Jesus. And you took on human skin, human nature. Lord Jesus, that you took on a lowly profession, a carpenter. And Father, you moved through the world with with words and with actions. 
and with truth. And you spoke truth 2,000 years ago. And a few people believed it and received it and took it into their hearts. And it changed their hearts. And those, that small group of believers went out and brought change to this entire world. So here we are 2,000 years later, Father, with billions who named the name of Christ because people were willing to hear your word, apply your word, and live your word. And, Father, we ask tonight for us sitting here tonight that we will do the same. Help us to put aside our agendas. Help us to put aside the desire for our kingdom. Help us to align ourselves with you and with your kingdom, Father. Help us to declare that kingdom into being over our families, over our workplaces and schools, and over our own lives. Kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.